The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning. Today, in this moment, we humble our hearts together to remember what Christ did for us over 2,000 years ago. Jesus chose the cross. Over the last weeks, the, the thought that's been occurring to me over and over again is that Jesus didn't feel like dying for our sins. Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. We're told in the Garden of Gethsemane that he said, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. We are told that he sweat drops of blood. We have a Savior who went through all his emotions, the things that would have scared him, and just submitted to his Father for his Father's glory and for our good. We have such an amazing God, and we've come to worship him together this morning. Please join with me in prayer. Father, today, we truly do want our hearts to be humbled before you. We want to slow down and remember the great love that you demonstrated through Christ, the great sacrifice you made so that we could have life with you, that Jesus died for our sins so that we could have life in you. Jesus, we can't comprehend what you endured for us. Your grace, your mercy, your compassion is much more than we could imagine or deserve. We are so thankful that you gave yourself for us that your love is unending, that there is no place that we can go that is apart from your love and your presence. We thank you for what you did for us so that we could have life in you. Please be glorified this morning in us as we remember and worship you together. Amen. What a day this has been. My name is Patronus, and I am a centurion in the Roman army, and I have dedicated my life to the service of Rome. I have fought in battles all over the world, have stamped out uprisings throughout the empire, and have overseen countless executions. I have 100 soldiers at my command and a lifetime of experience to guide me. I have seen everything and feared nothing until today. What a day this has been. My name is Claudia. My husband, Pilate, is the governor of the Roman province of Judea. He is the most important man in this entire region with power and authority that is second only to the emperor himself. Pilate has a lot of responsibility, but that is his world more than it is mine. I have usually preferred the more luxurious side of this royal life, entertaining dignitaries, hosting parties and dinners, exciting trips. Don't get me wrong, life is not always easy when you are married to a governor, especially out here, so far away from the comforts of Rome. But as for me, I have typically lived my days without burden until today. 
what a day it has been. Today, we lost Jesus. I am Thomas. I have spent the last three years faithfully following the best man that ever lived. He was the wisest teacher I ever knew, the greatest friend I ever had. Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to me. Sure, all of us who chose to follow him had to give up a lot. We left behind our homes, our families, but what we gained, well, we gained everything. A life of purpose and fulfillment, a closeness with the anointed one of God, and a first-hand view of the constant miracles and signs and wonders. It was exhilarating. This was the best time of my life until today. Look, I've never pretended to understand the Jewish people and all of their laws and rituals and festivals. All I know is that they are usually upset with my husband for some reason or another, often claiming that he has acted in violation of their religion or their rights or whatever. But it has never led to any real confrontation. Until today, when the Jewish religious leaders marched into our palace courtyard with a crowd of angry followers, and in their custody, they had this man, this man called Jesus. I recognized him as soon as I saw him, not because I had ever met him before. I mean, of course I had heard his name. He is literally all anyone has been talking about since he rode into Jerusalem a week ago. But I had never seen him in person. Though I still knew him right away because, well, you're not going to believe this, but I actually had a nightmare about him last night. It was the most distressing dream I've ever had. I tossed and turned all night long, and in the morning, all I could really remember about it was that this man, Jesus, was innocent and that he should not be punished. And so when the Jewish leaders brought him in, hands bound, his face bleeding from where they had already been hitting him, I begged my husband to let him go free. And Pilate wanted to, he really did, not just because of my dream, but because he too could see that Jesus was innocent. First he tried to reason with the crowd, but they just kept screaming that Jesus should be killed. Pilate shouted back to them, why? What crime has he committed? But it didn't matter. Crucify him, they yelled. Crucify him. And then Pilate tried to reason with Jesus. He tried to get Jesus to speak up in his own defense or at least explain himself. But Jesus would hardly answer any of his questions. My husband pleaded with him. He said, will you not speak to me? Don't you know I have the power to free you or crucify you? And then, this is what Jesus said. He said, you would have no power over me that is not given to you from above. And that was when I realized 
Jesus knew he was going to die today. And he had no intention of avoiding it or even allowing himself to be rescued. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. Pilate wanted to set Jesus free. Why didn't Jesus just cooperate with him? In the end, my husband had no choice. He sent Jesus off to be killed. I can't believe it. This was a righteous man. I can't believe they crucified him. I can't believe they crucified him. We just never saw this coming. How could Jesus have let this happen? You know, maybe I did see this coming. Over and over again, Jesus seemed to keep making choices that just put him into more and more danger. He healed people on the Sabbath. He ate together with tax collectors. He challenged our understanding of the Holy Scriptures. And every day, he made the Jewish leaders angry. He even called them out publicly in front of the whole crowd. He called them the hypocrites. He called them blind guides. I mean, he even called them a brood of vipers. I'm sure they all wanted him dead. He always just seemed to be running toward danger instead of running from it. Like a moth to a flame. I remember one time when our friends Mary and Martha sent word to us that their brother Lazarus had died. They asked that Jesus come right away. We warned Jesus that if he were to enter Judea and travel that close to Jerusalem, it could be dangerous. So I spoke up and said we should all go along with him and die with him. Big talk. So yeah. I guess maybe we did see this coming. But on the other hand, it always seemed impossible that Jesus could be killed. We saw the power he had. We had seen Jesus cure the sick. We had seen him heal the broken bones and the withered limbs. We had watched him bring sight to the blind and even raise the dead. I remember a time when we were all on a boat together and this furious storm had suddenly come up. All of us were petrified, and we pleaded with Jesus to save us. And all he said to us was, You have little faith. Why are you afraid? And then he just told the storm to stop. And it stopped, just like that. All of us were speechless. Even the wind and the waves obeyed his voice. Jesus could do anything. So why didn't he save himself today? I don't understand why he let this happen. Did he let this happen? Did he let this happen? I, I'm sorry if I'm not making any sense, but this day has got me a bit rattled. I'm talking about this man, Jesus. We crucified him today. Now, I've seen many men crucified, but today was completely different. We had escorted him from Pilate's palace out beyond the city gates to kill him. All the soldiers had been leaning hard on him, beating him, whipping him, and there was lots of blood. But that's not unusual. What was very unusual 
Was the look of contempt that I usually see in the eyes of criminals just wasn't there? Even while they mocked him and ridiculed him because he claimed to be the son of God, he never said a word or pushed back at all. I even heard him pray that God would forgive them. But that wasn't what shook me. We drove the spikes through his hands and feet. We hoisted him up in the air, and we stood back to watch him die. But then, over the next six hours, I saw things happen, things that I can't explain, things that you might not believe. After Jesus had been hanging on the cross for about three hours, everything went dark. I don't mean it just got cloudy. I mean that the whole land was covered with a darkness so thick that you could hardly see. It was like night, even though it was the middle of the day. And then, a few hours later, he died. And at that exact moment, there was a huge earthquake. I literally saw boulders crack open and split in half. It was incredibly loud. And then it got even crazier. Some of the tombs around us actually opened up. And people came out of them and started walking. This was far beyond anything I've ever seen. And it was all because of him. I, I know it was. I had just heard Jesus say with his last breath, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. And that was when everything started. When the earthquake finally subsided, all I could say from the bottom of my heart was, truly, this man was the Son of God. Because that's the only explanation. It had to be true. And that's why I'm asking, did he let this happen? This is the Son of God. Why didn't he save himself? Why didn't he save himself? He could have. He easily could have. It's like he always knew this is where it was going to end. It's like he was always moving in the direction of that horrible cross. I think he chose this. I think he chose this. He could have been set free. My husband completely gave him an out. But he didn't take it. He gave Jesus every opportunity to defend his own innocence, but he remained silent, and I don't understand why. Surely he knew where this road would end. I know he chose this. This wasn't a man with a death wish. This also wasn't a victim. This was a man with a purpose a purpose that included allowing himself to be killed. I can't imagine why the Son of God would willingly choose to die. But he did. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, especially online. Uh, on behalf of White Ridge Baptist Church, I want to extend to all of you watching today a blessed Easter weekend and that the Lord Jesus would be near to you and that you might know him 
And uh, also on our behalf, I want to extend that we are so sorry that we could not have this building filled today. Uh, we just made the decision yesterday when we discovered we would not have sufficient snow removal. And so um, <clears throat> the story has been told this morning of Good Friday. We have been seeking to be faithful in this telling of the story. And indeed, um, the story's not finished. So we want to invite you, wherever you are and whoever you are, please join us on Easter Sunday morning. We will have the snow cleared, and we will be having uh, in-person service here. And we just would love if you could come and enjoy, enjoy uh, the risen Christ. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. This morning, our focus, as you have seen, has been on the choices that Jesus had and, and what he made as choices in his life all the way to the cross. It reminds us of the fact that we have choices to make all the time, every day, countless choices, and they have a lot to do with our own discipleship. It, it has a lot to do with our followership of Jesus, whether we have taken him seriously, whether we have chosen to take up the cross and follow in his footsteps. And today, I just want us to be reminded again of the fact that Jesus was motivated by such incredibly deep and real principles. It is interesting, you know, when, when choices are made by people who really don't have too many other choices they're easier to make. When there's ulterior motives at work in our hearts, it's easier to make certain choices. When evil people, though, that have a lot of authority are given the opportunity to make good choices or bad ones, we can see in this world even right now in Ukraine what people with authority can choose to do. And here is Jesus, the Son of God, with all authority in heaven and on earth that had been given to him. And he makes a choice, many choices that led him <clears throat> to the cross. I want to get underneath that and to do so, just for a moment, I want to look at the various witnesses that we have from Scripture. And we'll begin with Isaiah. In Isaiah... We read that this prophet writing 800 years before Jesus said, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In other words, God, God's will was that Jesus come to this earth for this very purpose. From the very time that he was conceived on earth, and born on earth, and lived his life on earth. This was his choice, his, the will of his Father. And Jesus' highest goal was to do the will of his Father. Listen to the words of Jesus in John. We read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lay, lays down his life for the sheep. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, Jesus 
really did have the capacity to call down legions of angels. He had the capacity to not choose the cross. And he chose because he knew that he was the only shepherd of souls that could take us safely into the Father's fold. He knew that, that we were like sheep without a shepherd, lost and victims of sin, of Satan, and so on. And so Jesus chose the cross. If we go into the epistles, we read, first of all, that Peter, later in his life, he writes, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, putting, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. There was only one righteous soul that ever lived that could be the way that unrighteous sinners like you and I could make a way and bring us to God. And Jesus Christ accomplished that through the cross. That was Peter's testimony. John the Apostle also later in his life writes this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's called three things in this text. Jesus is called our advocate, he's called the righteous one, and he is called the one who is our propitiation. He's our advocate, first of all. That means that he's the one who comes alongside of us and speaks to God the Father in our defense. He's our lawyer. He's our righteousness. In other words, we haven't righteousness. The Bible says that our best that we could offer to God, our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so he is our righteousness for us who put faith in him. And then thirdly, that word propitiation, it, it means that, that he is the satisfaction for the just demands of the law of a righteous judge that has every, every right and responsibility to condemn us. He is our satisfaction. It's an incredible thing that, that Jesus Christ chose the cross because it was the only way that we as sinners could become friends with God the Father instead of seeing him as our judge eternally. And then finally, the Apostle Paul also bears witness. And there are so many other scriptures that do the same. I've chosen five. And this one in the, in, in the book of Colossians, Paul says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. This, this thought always astounds me. That I as a sinner, I as a rebel cause, I as one who is not reconciled to God, but actually hostile to God, we know in our heart of hearts that we do not choose to draw near to God on a daily basis, that so often we choose other lesser joys and pleasures. And it astounds me that God would choose to send his son, that Jesus Christ would willingly go to the cross, even though I already was hostile toward him, repelling his ways, a rebel cause. And why did he do it? So that one day I would be presented holy in his presence. I would be presented blameless and above reproach. 
those things I am far from without Jesus. And so Paul also bears witness of why Jesus chose the cross. What do we do in response? Well, we live every day, and Good Friday is a day when we come, become somber and we think about the cross. We've faithfully tried to tell the story this morning, but the story continues to be told. We'll tell the rest of it on Sunday morning, but the, the story continues to be told through us, his followers, Jesus' followers, his church. And today, we have the opportunity to say, yeah, Lord Jesus, I seal it again. I recommit again to following you and to being, to being the follower that you want me to be by the power of your grace and your Holy Spirit in me. And if you, if you have that heart this morning, if that is on your heart's desire, I want to invite you to join with us in just a few minutes because we're going to gather around the Lord's table just like Jesus did on that Thursday before Good Friday. And we're going to have the risen Christ here and he's inviting us to all who want to say yes to him, all who want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow you. I believe in the cross that you shed your blood on was sufficient to become my advocate and my righteousness and my satisfaction for sin. Lord, would you receive us today? So we're going to invite you to join us. And for those at home, there's only a few in this room, but for those at home, would you take the moment of this next song after I pray? Would you take the moment of this next song to just go and grab some, some bread and some juice? something that you could participate with us in. And then I will direct us afterwards to partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's begin with prayer. Oh Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your incredible grace upon our lives. And we, we have sought to be faithful to tell your story, Lord Jesus, that has been recorded faithfully in the scriptures. And we we thank you that we have the, had the opportunity to, to recount some of that. And uh, Lord, today we offer to you our lives. We offer to you our prayer. We thank you, Lord, that you are here. You are in every home. You are in every place. And you are, you are here to invite us closer into that fellowship that you purchased with God for us on our behalf. So that one day we would become this faultless, holy bride of Christ and that we would be presented to you without an above reproach. And Lord, we thank you for what you did. And today, as a, a symbol of remembrance of that incredible Good Friday event, as we're, we're going to gather around your table. We're going to receive the bread, which represents your body broken for us on that day. And we're going to receive the cup, which represents the blood that you shed and so as we prepare our hearts and as we prepare the meal to receive ourselves, would you hear our prayer? And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we are gathered around this table, <clears throat> the table of the Lord. And uh, we rejoice in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Let us give thanks once again.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what we just heard uh, Tim saying, that we are healed through you. Thank you, Lord, for what you accomplished at the cross, the finished work for sinners. We thank you, Jesus, risen Lord, that you are here right now and you invite us to this table. And though we are separated in physical terms, Lord, we are one body in Christ. And we are sharing this meal together. And we take the, the bread and we acknowledge your body, the physical body of Jesus that hung on that cross 2,000 years ago. And we thank you. We thank you you chose the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the blood that you bled that day, the righteous Lamb of God that, whose blood would take away the sins of the world, all who come to put faith in him. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this bread and this cup, which reminds us of these things. And uh, we ask you that today you would make us pleasing to you and give us grace to leave this table later and to follow you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you now to take the bread and receive it as a representation of the broken body of Jesus given for us. And also take the cup and receive it as a representation of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins to be forgiven. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.